Section 72 of India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Peter. The World's Story, Volume 2. India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 72. Poe's Tales at the Persian Court. 19th Century. By Wilfred Sparoy. Unlike his brothers, who are nothing if not volatile in their attitude to study, Baram Mirza possesses powers of concentration which, savouring as they do of the uncanny, have been the means of developing in him a memory of remarkable tenacity. The first novel he ever read was a French translation of The Captain of the Vulture by Miss Braddon. This book had been given him by the Zillu's Sultan in order that the lad might while away his leisure hours in the harem by putting the gist of it into Persian, and be the means of hastening his father's postprandial nap by reading the translation aloud after tiffin. To that blessed consummation, in fact, each boy had been made the present of a book, Feridun Mirza being the most backward, receiving the most difficult work, Baudelaire's admirable translation of Edgar Allan Poe's tales, of which more anon. When Baram Mirza had finished his holiday task, I called in doubt the thoroughness of his work, in order to test his knowledge of Miss Braddon's closely woven plot. Ah! cried Baram triumphantly, cocking his head over the left shoulder and closing the right eye. There I waited for you, monsieur. It is true that this is the first Varengo story I ever read, but it shall not be the last. His Highness is very pleased with Miss Braddon's work. Would you believe it, monsieur? His Highness could not sleep after Nahar, lunch, today. And as for me, she kept me awake all night. I was reading, reading, reading. Ah, I retorted. There I waited for you, my boy. What can you possibly know about the book? I will tell you the tale, monsieur, if you will listen. All right, I replied, forearming myself against disappointment by expecting nothing save a blunt, bare outline of the plot. Begin. Baram Mirza was on his mettle. He made an excellent start. First he told me the title of the opening chapter. Then he related the incidents in an interesting narrative style. That is the end of chapter one, he said. Shall I go on, monsieur? If you can, I replied. He repeated the performance, after which he waited for the applause. Did you skip chapter three? I asked. The story took a third jump forward. Not so bad. This from his tutor. Baram Mirza was nettled. Am I boring, monsieur? said he. Get along, get along, I replied, feigning impatience. Chapter four contributed its quota to the plot. I lay odds that the next chapter is a blank, I cried. Not a bit of it. The contents of every single chapter in the book had been, as it were, pigeonholed in the recesses of that tenacious memory of his, a tour de force all the more remarkable because no such task had been set him either by the prince or by me. Are you pleased with me, sir? he asked in English, after telling the story from beginning to end. You have paid Miss Braddon a marked compliment, I replied. She deserved it, was Baram's courteous rejoinder. I next turned to Feridun Mirza. 
How are you getting on with Baudelaire's translation of Poe? I asked. I cannot understand his French, monsieur, he replied. It is too difficult for me. If I put the fall of the house of Usher into simple French, could you translate the tale into Persian? May we, monsieur, cried Feridun Mirza, who is a born storyteller, and will make an entertaining dervish. His interest in the subject encouraged me to do my best at shape the zeal of his customary siesta after tiffin. After I had put the story into simple words, paragraph by paragraph, and had pointed out the writer's skill in kindling in the reader an ever-increasing dread of the approaching doom, Feridun lending both his ears to my remarks, I made him sit down and throw off his impression at a heat under an instinctive rather than technical guidance. His version of the story was an unqualified success. The siesta over, he came rushing into my study, followed by his special attendant. Ten tumans, he cried. His Highness gave me ten tumans for the story, and did not close an eye. Thank you, monsieur, thank you. Tomorrow, I returned, you shall tell His Highness the tale of the black cat. I am busy. Good-bye. Thank you, monsieur. I will do even better tomorrow, that His Highness may make me a present of fifteen tunes. And the lad, so saying, went back to the harem, dreaming, no doubt, of the coveted reward. The reward, however, remained a dream. What? I said, two days later. Do you mean to say that His Highness gave you nothing? How was that? Well, monsieur, replied Feridun Mirza, when I was in the middle of the story, His Highness, who had eaten a bowl of pilaw and a dish of chilaw, and had drunk a lot of cold tea, gave a loud snore. How he snores, monsieur! It is terrible to hear. Cold tea! I exclaimed. Mais oui, monsieur! Feridun was delighted at my bewilderment. Cold tea is better for the teeth. Akbar Mirza, flinging back his head, burst into a sudden roar of laughter, and I cuffed his head for him. When a Persian takes upon himself the shame of wine, he explained, rubbing his impudent face, he says he has been eating nightingale's flesh or drinking cold tea. You see now, yes, sir? The murder in the Rue Morgue, then, versus cold tea. That shall be our next match. I lay odds on the cold tea as a soporific. And so do I, monsieur, said Feridun Mirza, in a voice of funereal depression. It was plain that his heart, dashed by his recent disappointment, was no longer in the work. It is fortunate, he said, upon our translating the third story, that his highness is very sleepy now after his nahar. Why fortunate, I asked. Feridun Mirza looked uncommonly knowing. Because, he replied significantly, I had to content myself with the explanation. The next day came. Did you have any success with your recital of the murder in the Rue Morgue? I said to him. None at all, monsieur. I am sorry, my boy. Oh, it doesn't matter so much now, monsieur. Shall I help you with a fourth story? No, thank you, monsieur. I think I can manage by myself now. You are getting more used to the style, I suppose. That is one reason, monsieur. But I hope his highness isn't. Isn't what? Getting used to the style also, monsieur. The second reason was long in revealing itself, and in the end it was an accident that enlightened my fatuous obtuseness. Many days wore away. 
Whenever it occurred to me to ask Faridun Mirza how he was getting on with his stories, I received the same reply. Very well, thank you, monsieur. His highness always falls asleep as soon as I begin. Do you need any help in your work? I would ask. No, thank you, monsieur, he would reply. I get along now all by myself, and his highness is always very sleepy after eating. But at the end of the month, much to my surprise, he came into class and begged me to lend him my assistance. His face wore a crestfallen expression. When I asked him, in all innocence, which of the tales remained to be translated, his face took on a more dejected look than ever. His highness is very wide awake now, he remarked at last. Don't parry the question. Frankness is the best policy. Well, monsieur, I have done the fall of the house of Usher, and the black hat, monsieur, and the murder in the rue Morgue, and... He raised his eyes to mine taking the measure of my mood, then turned a trifle pale as to the gills. And what else? Ferdun's eyes fell. And his highness is tired of them, sir, and wants something new, he replied at last, all in a breath. Akbar Mirza, chucking back his head, burst into that characteristic laugh of his, guileless, fresh, and hearty. His highness is very wide awake, he cried in a convulsion of mirth. His Highness wants something new. What I said was, ah! What I did was to reach out for the whip. Monsieur, said Ferdin Mirza in a plaintive voice, I will tell you the truth. When I told His Highness the story of the fall of the House of Usher, he was very pleased and gave me ten tumans. But when I told him the tale of the Black Cat, which I had translated ever so much better, he fell asleep, and so I lost my present. But notwithstanding my disappointment, I persevered, thank Allah, and next day I recited the murder in the Rue Morgue. Then, when His Highness fell asleep yet a second time, the devil came and tempted me, saying, You have translated three stories, two of which His Highness has not heard, all through his falling asleep. Why should you translate any more? All you need to do will be to repeat the stories over and over again in turn. And that is what I did do, sir keeping the fall of the house of usher for mondays and thursdays and the black cat for tuesdays and fridays and the murder in the rue morgue for wednesdays and saturdays and that is the whole truth monsieur and it was the devil who told me to do it then you must be the devil's whipping boy i replied come and receive your punishment like a man but monsieur his highness gave me the sticks when he found me out ferdin's voice pleaded that enough was as good as a feast I laid aside the whip. And how did His Highness find you out? I asked. Well, monsieur, said Ferdin, returning my forbearance by telling the truth, I made a little mistake. When I was in the middle of the black cat, His Highness, who had every appearance of being asleep, opened his eyes all on a sudden and said to me, You read that story yesterday. Then I knew that I had put the wrong story into my pocket. It was a Wednesday the most unlucky day in the week. So I begged pardon of His Highness, and went and fetched the murder in the Rue Morgue, which I began to translate, when His Highness woke up again and said, I want something new. Then, the devil tempting me yet a second time, for was it not a Wednesday? I fell to reading the story of the fall of the House of Usher, and this I did to pacify His Highness, who had been much pleased with the story. Monsieur will judge of my consternation when I tell him that His Highness, now wide awake, seized me by the ankle and gave me six strokes of his cane on the soles of my feet, saying that the story had given him the cabus, 
nightmare, half a dozen times at least. The unexpected climax threw Akbar Mirza into a second fit of laughter. Feridun Mirza, Prince Fortunate, is not an angel after all, he cried, ready to burst his sides with merriment. Neither is he made of musk and of amber, said Humayun Mirza, in a stage recitative. He is famous because he is liberal and just, said Baram Mirza, smiling a grave, ironic smile. Let us practice justice and liberality, then, sang out Akbar Mirza, to the end that we may become even as Feridun Mirza. That was the advice that I was about to give you, said the impenitent sinner. In fact, I should have used the selfsame words. Then the two lads, having brought the tips of their fingers together, raised them to their lips, and from the lips to their foreheads, as a token that their thoughts had jumped together. End of section 72 This recording is in the public domain.